All you have to do is look across Munfield to our basketball arena and you, you see how championships are made. Players play, tough players win. It's downtown, breaking with the basket up, and it's in! Defense by Michigan State is unreal right now. Dawson, out to Harris for a three ball, he got it! Check good, it's good! You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is the Impact E-Zone. With your host, Andrew Hayes. Hello, and welcome to the Impact E-Zone. My name is Andrew Hayes, in case you had forgotten about me. It has been a long time, Blake Froling. How have you been, my friend? Wonderful. Counting down the days till I could come back here and talk some Michigan State hoops with you. I think you're lying, but that's okay. I'll take it. Um, obviously, haven't been around, you know, the summertime. A little bit slower. However, and I wish that I had been around for this going on because this was massive. I don't know if I would call it uh, surprising. But um, Kenny Kaminsky, no longer a member of the Michigan State basketball team, Um tweeted let's see what was that about august i want to say that was like august 3rd august 2nd that was close um august 2nd tweeted out that he would be transferring from michigan state headed to somewhere else he did not specify where um and then i believe the next day august 3rd came out that uh, michigan state was dismissing him from the team crafty crafty move by kenny jumping out in front of that Obviously, he saw it come and knew the school was going to say something about it. Um, jumped out right in front of it and made it look like his decision. The classic, you can't fire me because I'm quitting move. Uh, kind of have to respect it. I mean, would you expect anything less from Kenny Kaminsky being the guy that he is? Uh, he kind of fooled everybody because it seemed just hours after he tweeted that, every single news outlet except for us was covering it. And then the day after just completely changed 180 degrees, which kind of the decision when it first came out that he was transferring probably surprised some people because he would have had a much larger role in the offense. When they see why he's transferring is because he doesn't have a choice, maybe a little less surprising with the suspensions and just rocky relationship he's had with Izzo over the three years. You know, I was was out of town when this happened. I was... uh out of cell service range. So I had no Twitter, no nothing going on. So I was, yeah, I was greatly disadvantaged uh, to this news. But fortunately, I've got friends who consider me in the know. So they texted me about it right away. Um, When I first heard that he was transferring, I figured that something else had happened with Izzo um, to the point where he just didn't want to deal with it anymore. Um, I didn't, I did find the timing of it odd because, like you said, he was supposed to play a bigger role in this offense, um, and this was kind of supposed to be his year where he he got it together, um, figured it out on the defensive end, and and still continued to produce from three. Um, but now uh, it came out that uh, no more, and and like I said, I don't think you can find this surprising at all. Um, it's incredibly unfortunate for Kenny. Um, I think it's it's gonna take some time to see how this all works out because he, I mean, he can go pretty much anywhere. Um, 
I think he heard that he's transferring to Ohio U. Okay. I mean, that's that really stinks for him. <laughs> I mean, not that Ohio isn't, isn't a quality <laughs> basketball program, but to go from Big Ten Elite Eight team last year to Mac, Ohio, that's that's not really that's not really ideal. Um, but like I said, I mean, this was this was not something that. It should be surprising to anyone, really, if you saw the type of relationship that went on there. And it didn't really seem like Kaminsky ever really, truly got it together. I mean, Izzo seemed... Whenever Izzo had to suspend him or discipline him or something like that, it never really seemed like Izzo thought that was going to be the last time it was going to have to happen. It seemed like, well, we're good for now. Hopefully something will turn around so that I don't have to keep babysitting this kid. And uh, you just can't have that. I mean, No, well, I think his three-point shooting, honestly, was the only thing that was keeping him on the team because at his size, he couldn't rebound, couldn't defend anybody. All he could do was stand out in the corner and shoot the threes. He shot 49%, which led the Big Ten. So with the two suspensions, you would think if if he didn't even have that going for him, he probably would have been off the team before that, maybe even during the season. Yeah, that was the thing, and, and, and that's that's part of what makes this kind of frustrating is not only could he have contributed next year, but he had all of these chances. Um, he had all of these opportunities to get it right and and do what needed to be done to remain on the team. And he still just couldn't get it together. Um, and it's too bad. Um, because, like I said, I don't think he was a vital role in next year's team. Um, I think the expectations for next year's team are low enough that uh, that's why... Actually, you know what? I, I I honestly couldn't tell you what kind of uproar there was when that all <laughs> went on because I was so like just disconnected from the world. Um, was that... Like massive, uh, I, I I can't imagine that being like a big sports center headline. No, I, there was limited media coverage besides Rex Road and Graham Couch and just little blurbs on the rest of the major sports sites, but nothing really too major because, like you said, nobody was really surprised. He only averaged a little over four points a game, so to an outsider who doesn't cover Michigan State on a regular basis, they wouldn't even think much of it either. So no no one really played too much attention to it. But if you look towards next year, with losing Payne and Harris and Appling, really, who all shoot the three well, you don't really have as many perimeter threats nearly as much as you did last year, and he would have contributed greatly to that. I'm really hoping that Travis Trice can shoot the way that he showed that he could in spurts. Um, I think that he's kind of going to have to be the guy by default. Um, shooting from three-point, which is going to be kind of screwy. Having, um, if he were to run the two, um, I think it's going to be kind of a hybrid-type guard situation between him and Valentine. Um, and it's also going to be interesting to see uh, how Lou rawls Naren is going to uh, um, factor in and see what he can do. Um, Can't forget Alvin Ellis either. Exactly, Alvin Ellis, the, uh, the enigma. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. It's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. Next year's gonna be a heck of a ride. Um, 
don't know. What do you think? Top five in the Big Ten? Is that... That's doable. Is that acceptable? I like, mean, what... How... What would be just an unacceptable... Like, obviously, if they, like, end up as a 10 seed in the NIT, that's mm, that's not mm. okay. Um, but what's... What's an acceptable season for Michigan State next year? An acceptable season for Michigan State? Well, they definitely have to make the NCAA tournament, first right. and foremost. And an Izzo team does not miss the tournament. It's hard to miss the tournament as an Izzo team because yeah. of Thomas. Just because just of the reputation, exactly. you're going to get the benefit over the doubt of over teams that maybe outplay you throughout the entire season. Oh, and yeah. I, think, I think the selection committee realizes that if you put a team coached by Tom Izzo in, no matter how good or bad they are, they could always surprise you and make that kind of a run. So I think they will make it, but acceptable, you'd probably want eight seed, seven, eight, nine seed is where I'm expecting them to land unless they completely surprise everybody. Brandon Dawson averages 20 and 10, develops a a 10-foot jumper, and Valentine doesn't turn the ball over as much, and Everything comes together. Maybe they can jump a little bit higher higher than that. But I think seven through nine is an acceptable range for them to shoot for. I'm always a big fan. It's just give me give me a five or higher. Like that's I feel like this team as it's built right now, um, I think it can be a five seed. I keep I I don't know how this happens. It should be like big in my brain, but I keep forgetting that Brandon Dawson is coming back. I don't know why that is. I just feel he's almost reaching Aaron Kraft territory for me, where it's like he has been here for like 18 years. Um, but it makes me like literally just now when you said Brandon Dawson, I was like, oh, yeah, sweet. He's <laughs> going to be back. That's awesome. Thank God. Because um, he is, you know, we've, like you wrote last year before the, the season started, we're just waiting for him to be that X Factor and be um, – as Mark Titus calls him, the X-Factoriest X-Factor that has ever been an X-Factor, or something along <laughs> those lines. X-Factor times a million uh, for Brandon Dawson. Um, let's see. What else do we have to talk about? Um, Michigan State out of the running um, for five-star recruit Jalen Brunson. Um, he announced today, correct, mm-hmm. um, that he will be going to Nova? Yep. Okay. Um, he had narrowed it down to Illinois or Villanova um, prior to 5 p.m. Uh, tonight, uh, tonight being Wednesday. Um, so that's uh, that's kind of a hit. But really, like, I've gotten so – I'm just so used to rejection, rejection at this point. It's not even a big deal. It's like – it's like when you've struck out at the bar a million times, so you're just pulling out whatever gross pickup lines. Because who cares at this point? You're like you're missing anyway. Something's got to fall. And and you got to know that with if you look back at all the superstars that Izzo has had throughout the years, they didn't start out as superstars. Right. So when you miss out on a guy like Brunson, who's top twenty-five in the recruiting class, one of the best point guards uh, in the in the nation, uh, coming in. You're not really that disappointed. It would have been nice to have him, obviously, but we can make do, and Izzo will make do with the players that he has. He always finds those blue-chip guys that are willing to work just as hard. Well, that's the thing is, you know, and I say that, you know, we Michigan State keeps getting rejected, and 
um, it's yeah, like you said, it's. I almost wonder what the point is in at this juncture. You know, the you know that there's going to be guys, um, who are going to consider Michigan State. There's not too many. There's not too many recruits, um, that are, really, you know, that would count out Michigan State because of what they do, in March and because of what Tom Izzo has built here. Um, but it really does seem like it ends up being somewhere else for some strange reason. And the the weird thing to me is, is like Nova is not, I mean, Jay Wright has a heck of a program there, but it's not like a Kentucky or a Duke where that we're used to losing to um, when it comes to recruits. Um, but it keeps happening. And, and do you find this to be like a concern for Michigan State moving forward, especially with teams like Kentucky who have, who have really done a lot with the one-and-dones? And of course, you know they they still have a really good return rate because of the talent that they stack on those teams. And we've talked about talked about this here before, um, how it's it's when you have that that wealth of talent, it almost diminishes that one and done mentality because guys are saying, okay, well, because my teammates outshined me so much last year, I'm gonna stick around for another year. And then you have this cycle of it's almost. You know, you have half one and done, half two and done, and that's unbelievable. Do you think that Michigan State is going to have to change its recruiting mentality if um, they want to continue to be successful? I think Izzo is not the kind of guy, well, he's going to go after the best players that he can get, ignoring the fact that they'd be a one and done or not. He loves to build a program to find guys that are going to stay three or four years, which he's done with just about everybody. And like you said, good point about guys staying because they were outshined by other one, other ones. Brandon Dawson is a perfect example of that. Absolutely. He is Absolutely. just like the rawest, freakiest athlete that I've seen in a long time, and he could have gone to the NBA, probably would have been drafted and signed by a team, but he was the third or fourth best player on that team last year. So I think he wants to prove this year that he can be a superstar and elevate those numbers even higher so he can get drafted higher and show that he's a complete basketball player. And I think if you if he if everybody else was a one and done, he would have been the star last year. Maybe he would have folded. Could have really changed his kind of tra- trajectory and really kind of screwed us over this year if he if he left. Yeah, it's uh it's going to be interesting. Um, because like I've I've harped on before, what is going on in Kentucky is fascinating to me. What Calipari is doing is absolutely fascinating because it really, you know, kind of the Fab Five would be the only other team that kind of tried to do it with one year, get it all done. But that they weren't even, you know, they weren't thinking NBA at that point. They were just thinking, we're going to do really well here at Michigan. We're going to win as many titles as we can, um, and then we'll see what happens after that. But what Kentucky's doing is, like I said, it's it's fascinating because it's 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 counterintuitive to what makes sense for sports for the most part. Because in sports, you're taught it. you got to get the team together, got to get everybody on the right page, and usually that takes some time. However, what Calipari has done is figured out how to do that in however many months 
and is just cranking out unbelievable talent. So I I think Michigan State's okay for now because of what's that? I was just gonna say talking about Kentucky and how just mind boggling it is. Uh, they're actually Calipari is finalizing a scouting combine for NBA personnel to come in just to watch Kentucky. That's how much NBA talent they have on that team. That they're saying, hey, just come watch us. All all of these scouts are invited, and they're going to come. And you know just about every, every team is going to send somebody just to watch them practice. Oh, absolutely. Well, and that's, that's another – think about that as a recruiting tool. That's the first thing that springs to my mind is you say to a kid, you know, you're going to win a lot of national championships here. Well, that's good. And don't get me wrong, national championships are massive. But if you say to a kid, you might be able to win a national championship and I'm going to bring in NBA scouts so that you definitely have a great shot at going to the NBA and getting picked up and making millions of dollars, that is a huge recruiting tool. And I don't know if that's something that we might see more of um, with teams trying to set up that type of thing. But the problem is you have to have that type of talent. And, yeah, you got to be able to produce enough talent so that NBA teams say, yeah, okay, we'll come watch your kids play ball. That's the mind-boggling thing about Kentucky because you look at all the the top-tier teams of the past, if you're lucky, you have two guys on that team that are NBA-ready. Right. The, the Kentucky has enough players that they're going to have a whole combine for them. I mean, their, their top eight on the depth chart, those three guys, they could easily start anywhere else. Mm-hmm. But because they're in Kentucky, he's going to be third man off the bench. And it's just mind-boggling. And I do not like the one-and-done. But every time I try to bash it, Kentucky comes along and makes a national championship game. Well, that's the thing. is like I want to hate it, too. I want to so bad because, like I said, it goes every, against everything that I know. It's almost like a Yankees-type situation. Like I hate how good – you are, but man, does it get results. Now, it doesn't work for the Yankees so good anymore, but it is it is awesome to see. And I, like I said, I just, I, I can't hate it because it keeps producing results. And while they did lose last year in the national championship to a UConn team that was just so stinking hot, and that will forever be one of the most mind-blowing tournaments in my, that's got to be top five. But I know that this year, uh, the tournament will surprise us all again um, because that's what the tournament is all about. They don't call it madness for nothing. Exactly. Um, shoot, what did I want to talk about next? It was something only sort of related. Oh, yeah, have you been watching the uh, FIBA uh, tournament? A little bit off and on. Had a big game today, though. Yeah, I missed today. How did we do? How did the U.S. do? Well, or, I, no, the U.S. didn't play The big today. story was France upsetting Spain. Oh, that's right. That the, is that is nuts. It, without Tony Parker. Oh, so wow. That is, that is super bigger. impressive then. Yeah. I, you watch those games, and it really is. It's like watching the Harlem Globetrotters almost. Like, it is just a bunch of, oh, and, and it is... It's really kind of tough to get the basketball fixed that way. Like, it is only just, I don't know. It's just different basketball. It's different style with the international play. I don't like the white stripe. I don't know why that bothers me so much. But no, I don't want laces on my basketball. I want it to be a nice, I don't know, it looks wrong to me. 
and I don't know. It's it's fun to watch, but man, is it different. It's like I don't know. Like I said, it's it's almost like watching the Harlem Globetrotters because they really are just out there messing around, and and when they get a chance to throw down, it is sweet. But you know, this they say this is uh, going to help a lot of guys, fringe NBA players. They can really showcase their talents, and a lot of people are saying it's kind of misleading because the competition's not as good. So these guys are putting up numbers that they would not even come close to in the NBA. But it's going to help some of these guys. Uh, Boris Diaw, he's, eh. Yeah. At best, he went off. He was leading France today, and or yeah, against Spain. And Spain was seen as the only like real competition that the U.S. would face. Right, it would only face them in the finals. So now, kind of disappointing and good at the same time. If you wanted to have a a one good game to watch for the USA, where we're not beating everybody by thirty points. Yeah, but at the same time, you kind of wanted to prove that that we were the best team, and now maybe the only one that could rival us is out. Yeah, I, it's yeah. I don't know that I, I, I just feel like it's such a given. I feel like the U.S. just has to win that. Like the the, the talent that we have is just so much better. And I mean, it's NBA talent. You don't have whole rosters. It's basically an All Star game, and you don't have whole rosters from around the world that are like that. You've got guys from you know wherever and it's just not as good um so yeah i i feel like that's one of those things i i won't get excited if the u.s wins because i just assume it's like getting excited for the sun rising like it's supposed to happen (laughs) but if they lose it's like okay well what the heck happened we're supposed to be the best team ever um and uh so yeah but it's yeah it's not the same i i can't get as fired up about it because like i said i just figure the u.s is gonna win Every single game. However, uh, it does scare the heck out of me that uh, Derrick Rose has looked just poor. I was just going to bring just that up. Just so bad. And it is. Yesterday he did have, he uh, he went between the legs, or he went behind his back, between the legs, pull-up jumper from the wing. And that made me really happy because that was the type of stuff he was doing when he was healthy. But uh, I just wanted him to come out and put up like, 20 and 10 every night and I understand that that's not going to happen right away but gosh darn it could we just get something good I just see every time on the bottom line zero points two assists in 16 minutes of play that's not good Derek you're killing me man well he had 12 points and five assists on Tuesday all right but does it scare you at the same time to see him out there playing absolutely back-to-back Knee injuries, and you saw what happened to Paul George. Never had oh an injury God. like that. That Paul George thing was so horrifying. So horrifying. It wasn't nearly as bad as Kevin Ware, but at the same time, just watching it live, and you, you see the leg. And <sighs> that's that's just got to scare you if you're a Derrick Rose fan. You just think if that guy gets touched in the lane, his knee is just exploding. Well, no, see, not even from a Derrick Rose perspective. I saw it, and I tweeted this out when it happened. If Paul, Paul George jumped up, landed on his leg, and it just snapped. It said, I'm not working anymore. See ya. And he's a professional athlete. He trains every day to be the best athletic specimen that he can be in order to do his job the right way. I do not do any exercise, Blake. I walk from class back to my house, and then I lay in a supine position for a lot of the day, just doing whatever tasks, eating, homework, 
all of that, but always just stationary, not moving anywhere. So when something like that happens, I think, okay, walking down the stairs, I could just blow out my knee. That's because it's basically the same thing. Well, it's it's a little bit different. He was like running full speed, and he and he hit the stanchion, which, according to your favorite reporter Brian Windhorst, was four inches closer to the the court than normal NBA stanchions, which is the bottom of the basket. So that could have played a role in things, but I don't think you have to worry about blowing out your knee anytime soon. Like bones are so hard, and that guy is supposed to be able to take a lot of beating. Like he is. Fit, he is in shape, and I am none of those things. So I just am terrified to move. When that happened, I said I'm going to sit still for the next three hours just to make sure nothing happens. And that worked out really well because, as a matter of fact, nothing did happen, and I can still walk around, and uh, thank God for that. Mm-hmm. Um, one more thing. I know, okay, I just want to talk about this because I haven't had a chance to, to really spitball with anybody about this. So maybe we'll cut it, maybe we'll leave it in, but this is our off-topic time here at the end of the show. Um, Who is going to come out looking worse, Ray Rice or Roger Goodell? Oh, Roger Goodell by far. I I look at this situation kind of like the Michael Vick situation a couple years back. He's going to do his time, not in jail, but his penance, whatever that may be. He's going to come back in a year or two, Someone's going to try to sign him. Eventually, the NFL is going to lift his ban. They can't ban him forever. I mean, he wasn't. that's not the worst crime that an NFL has, player has committed off the field and still come back to play. So he is going to play in the NFL again. He's too good for someone not to pass up the opportunity to sign him eventually. And there's still going to be backlash, but it's, it's going to kind of be like Michael Vick. He was running a dog fighting ring, and now he's backup quarterback for the Jets and nobody thinks twice about it. This is true. It's It's been unbelievable how this story has hung around and just gotten worse and worse. The original video was bad and warranted for sure more than two games. Um, something clearly happened in that elevator. Now we know exactly what happened in that elevator. Um it's it's so strange to me. The whole thing is so screwy. The fact that she issued an apology for the role that she played in it, that was bizarro world stuff. I don't understand. Even okay, even if she is trying because she released this or she posted on Instagram or something yesterday um about how how all of this has been terrible and bashing people for prying into her private life, which in that situation, okay, fine. Sorry, we're upset about you getting punched in the face. Um, that's a that was a weird thing for her to say. Um, it did have some truth in it, though. Like, okay, people should probably just mind their business, but at the same time, they're just trying to help you. Um, but Ray Rice looked horrible throughout this whole thing, and but the people who have, it's kind of like not exactly like but similar to the Jerry Sandusky situation with Penn State. It was bad. The initial act was horrible and inexcusable, and there is absolutely no room for it. However, the badness of that has just created this, I mean, it just keeps spreading its evil. Like, it keeps dragging more people into it. The Ravens fans look like idiots for giving him a standing ovation when he returned. Obviously... 
I want to say that it that the video changes things, but there was still that initial video of him dragging his unconscious wife out of an elevator. Something clearly went wrong to begin with, and that's insane that that they thought, well, she just fell asleep or something like that. Yeah, any intelligent person would know what happened that would cause her to be unconscious, so the video shouldn't have changed anything. Right. I think, well, here's here's what I've been thinking about. If Goodell would have given Ray Rice eight games, something like that, initially, and then this video comes out, do you think the punishment changes at all, or do you think it gets nearly this media attention? I don't think it gets this much press. I think... Um, I mean, we we haven't even touched on the fact that Roger Goodell claims that he didn't see the video, and then the AP came out today and said that he got the video sent to the NFL, or that the police sent the video to the NFL three months ago. That's not good, and that's that's a huge problem. Um, so I think. And I think that's what people are most outraged at now. To answer your question, I think it would still be getting this much press because of the way Goodell has handled it. Even if... Okay, so let's say he gets eight games, and then... Because that's a fair punishment, I think, in this situation. Lose half the season because you're a poor decision maker, basically. Mm-hmm. And... um and I, I think the only reason that they didn't go straight to that was because it was going to go to the players' union at that point. And I'm surprised the players' union hasn't put up more of an effort to protect Ray Rice, which sounds weird, but it's but still you. There's that's still your a job. system, right? Like you have to. That's what they're there for. They have to protect the players so that Fuhrer Goodell can't, you know, do things like this. And and it's you know this is one of those situations where definitely he's wrong, but um, where Ray Rice is wrong, um, but for Goodell to say he had never seen it, and then have it come out that maybe he has, has a very bad look for him, and I don't think he's gonna make it through this if that claim sticks, and they say that there's a voicemail proving that it made it to the NFL offices. Now, what I've been reading is that, and this is probably very likely, this is just blog speculation, not anything concrete, but the odds are that a a lower man is going to take the fall for this. Somebody in the NFL offices who handles such things is going to say, yeah, I got it, I hit it, I'm fired, see you later. And Goodell's going to be fine. Get off scot-free. Yeah, Goodell, I think he's too big to fail right now pretty at this much. point. He's pretty much untouchable. He runs like the most lucrative league in the world. So I don't think he's he's going to be fired or resign from this no matter what. Um, I heard earlier, it was either today or yesterday, Keith Olbermann said that Goodell gave up the chance to resign and now he has to be fired. I'm not so sure. I agree with that, that it's going to happen. I don't think anything's going to come of this. And it kind of shows just the disconnect, just the sheer dumbness, mismanagement of the NFL that that TMZ can release this video and get their hands on it. Of all, of all the organizations that could have gotten it, of course TMZ gets it and then just makes the NFL just look like total you-know-whats. Mm-hmm. And it's it just 
It's just mind-boggling. Well, that's the other thing, and that's another thing that I've been reading about a lot, is how did the NFL, or how could the NFL think that any of this, any of their lies weren't going to come back to bite them? Everybody has access to some kind of, I mean, there's there's proof for all of this, and somebody's going to talk. There's no way that this is just going to be swept under the rug. Everybody's going to be cool with it, and we're going to move on and, and laugh about this later. This is a serious, serious oversight and and something that is probably going to end up with a lot of people losing jobs other than just Ray Rice. I mean, this is this is complete and total mismanagement from the top to bottom from the NFL executives, and somebody screwed up, but that person is not completely at fault. Somebody should have been asking questions Clearly not enough questions were asked, and I just want to know why. I mean, if if I were in that room with Ray Rice and his wife, and we were talking about that, wouldn't your first question be, can I see the security cam footage in the elevator? That's kind of an important That's clue. like the most important one. You know there's a camera in the elevator. Why can't you see the video? You can see the video outside of the elevator. Why not inside the elevator? That That's just what I didn't get. I mean, you watch one episode of CSI, and you know that that is the proper procedure. Mm-hmm. You go look for clues. You find, hey, is there a camera in that elevator? Let's ask some people. Let's ask around. They're the stinking NFL. And that's the thing. is like the NFL is a massive organization. It is a huge, powerful monster that can pretty much do whatever it wants. And that's one thing I think you will agree with this, and this is one thing that people keep bringing up. And it's completely true, and it's the part that makes me feel so bad about myself. Is as upset as we are, and and as ready as we are readily um, prepared to say how awful this is, how screwed up the NFL is. I am still going to spend probably nine hours of my life watching football on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stop watching, and that's what stinks. Is I'm still going to consume, so companies are still going to pay the NFL. And really, that's when it starts to happen. That's when you start to have problems is when the money goes away, when advertisers say, we're not going to support this uh, corporation because this is what you guys have done and this is not what we stand for. But people like making money more than making statements for the most part. And as long as that bottom line stays where it's at or it doesn't take a major hit, I don't think you're going to see any change, and it's going to have to be on the owners if they want Goodell out, I think, because otherwise somebody's going to take the fall for it, um, and somebody's going to have to have, somebody's going to cover Goodell's tush, and um, that's unfortunate, but you just wonder how long Goodell can can do this, and because he really. He's making Gary Bettman look okay, yeah, which is insane. I mean, this isn't like the first thing that's happened that make people think, hmm, I don't really like Roger Goodell. Right. Like, he is probably, Bettman's, I still think Bettman's a little bit below him, but oh, Goodell is giving him a run for his money, and I think the owners are getting fed up with him. Uh, you know James Harrison's already fed up with him. That was awesome. <laughs> but... <laughs> James Harrison tweeted out, it's not so fun when the rabbit has the gun now or something like that. Like, oh, James Harrison probably funded a lot of, he, he, he's probably contributed a lot to uh, 
the referees and Roger Goodell's paycheck through his fines over the years. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he's just just basking in all of this madness. Um, but I think we've pretty much said what everyone else has said. Um, that, and that's the thing about it. So with the exception of Floyd Mayweather, who claims that spousal abuse isn't a big deal, said that today. Mm-hmm. What an absolute that's- moron. I I don't know. I mean, he guess I guess he figures nobody can touch him. He's Floyd Money Mayweather. Team Money. He can say whatever he wants. Money team baby. He's still going to get those big fights and nobody's going to do anything to him. So he can just say what he wants even if it's something ridiculous like that. It is screwed up how much we love our sports. It is almost mm-hmm. sickening. When you take a step back and really look at it, it is gross. Yeah. What we go through, what we allow, all of these things just because they can run fast or throw a ball faster. Um, I'm going to get off my soapbox now. But, I mean, it, and I, I'm i not saying this is like, well, I'm going to stop watching sports. I'm going to keep watching sports until the day that I die. But it's just unfortunate that this is the way that it is. And and I wish that everybody was, was clean and shiny. Um, but... Uh, it's not the way it goes, and uh, really one one other thing that I'm going to say about it, um, and you can comment on this too, is this isn't the first guy who's beat his wife in the NFL. Like I mean, guys do it. I feel like that's a fairly common thing is domestic violence or domestic disputes in an NFL or in athletes' lives. This is the first time that it was documented because for some reason a lot of times – when those things come up, um, people are quick to say, well, let's see some proof because, you know, she could just be making this up and trying to get a check, which is screwed up that we do that. I mean, it's somewhat understandable because people stink sometimes and make things up like that. But it's it's been a problem in the NFL. I don't think it's an epidemic the way that they're – making it out to right now and it's so overblown and so insane that they want to make this like it's a systematic thing there's i mean athletes for the most part are good guys there are a few that bring it down and this is clearly one of those situations but for them to be just because what is this the second or third one that's come out in the past month or so well 49ers defensive and ray mcdonald is the other one and it's interesting how before he was arrested, Jim Harbaugh came out and said, you know, there's no room for this in the league. Anybody should be held accountable. And then, of course, it happens on his team. He's like, well, we're just going to wait for everything to play out. Right. You don't want to jump to conclusions or anything. So it's okay when it's not happening to your team, but when it affects you directly. Like, would would your opinion change if Ray Rice was on the lines? No. I mean, if oh, so, so that would be like if he was on the Bears. Yeah, the Bears. Okay. I, I, how yeah. could I forget? <laughs> I was going to say. But no, I, I don't think it would. I mean, I think initially, but see, that's the thing. And that's that's like when I say that we're so screwed up for the way that we treat athletes is I would be upset about it and I would, I certainly wouldn't want to buy a Ray Rice jersey anytime soon if he was on the Bears. But if he, if he were to come back after the ban was lifted and still run for 1,500 yards and score 20 touchdowns in a season, I think I'm going to forgive him. 
because he can be an awful human being off the field. But as long as he's winning me games, that's all that matters. And that's what's screwed up. And and it's unfortunate that you almost have to do that with some of these players. When I I mean, not exactly to the same extent, but like a Jay Cutler type guy. People hate Jay Cutler. And if he wasn't on my team, I would hate Jay Cutler. On, yeah, there right you go. In that group. But because he's the quarterback for the Chicago Bears, and I happen to enjoy watching the Chicago Bears win, even though they lost this last week because Cutler made some terrible throws. Oh, that was such a disgusting game to watch. The Bills mm. of all people. Ew! But anyway, still, we still got 16 weeks left, plenty of time. Um, but no, I, I mean, I would still find it atrocious. But that's the thing is I would take whatever uh, punishment came uh, it, because it's appropriate. Pretty much whatever he got. I th- think they could have found a happy medium between two games and indefinite, indefinite ban. Um, I don't know why... The video of him punching her made that jump so big. Um, I know it was shocking, and that was a big part of it, but clearly he had done something wrong before. Um, so I don't understand. I don't understand the whole proceedings, really, but it really does make you realize uh, what sports do to you and what um, what you're willing to put up with. And it's – I don't want to – I've been trying to come up with the right way to say this, but it, you know, when you look at it that way, you wonder, and you wonder why she keeps coming back. They're married now. Right, exactly. That's what I don't get. Two weeks after that happened, they got married. She probably hadn't even, oh God, I won't go there. Um, But yeah, it's, I mean, you just keep coming back no matter what crap you put up with. And that's what's. That's what's nuts. Um, but then we come back to sports to get away from stuff like that. And I think that's the worst part about it is when that type of evil and garbage that you try to get away from by watching sports, when that creeps in, that's that's what really stinks. So I think that's going to do it now that we've completely gone away from football for the past. Oh, I don't, or basketball. Jeez, I know what sport I cover. Uh, now that I've completely gone away from basketball for the past, oh, 20 minutes, um, we will cut it there. Uh, we're going to get back on this grind, um, keep talking about Spartan hoops, um, try to get some people in here. we got to get some athletes. That'd be nice. we got to stop recording it at midnight, though. That's going to be the tricky part. But it's so quiet here. It's so quiet. That's the thing is it's so relaxing. We can just come in here and talk about whatever for hours on end and just ramble. It's great. Nobody's knocking on the door trying to kick us out of here. Because mm-hmm. it's 1 o'clock in the morning, so who really wants to be at the radio station? Except for us because we love Sparty basketball. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, um, this is a silly story and doesn't really have anything to do with anything. Um, but um, no big deal. But my aunt and uncle uh, live on the same street as Izzo uh, in uh, Grand Haven, Michigan. Yeah, he's hmm. got a pretty nice uh, lake house there. Um, and I was going to church one morning, driving past his house. And he was outside watering his plants. 
and it was like it was like seeing Superman without his cape. It was like, oh shoot, that's right. He's a regular dude. Like, <laughs> like he just has like real people responsibilities when he's not coaching a basketball team. And yeah, just to see him out there in like some some cargo shorts and just a ratty like Tommy Bahama t shirt and a white white hat, I was like, oh man, he's just a regular guy. So bizarre though. <laughs> I mean, I I I honestly wouldn't be able to see Mark D'Antonio doing that at all. Right. He's yeah. he's got the whole persona, but Izzo seems more of a somewhat regular guy. Yeah. See, I don't know. I could see. I would see D'Antonio more like sitting on his front porch with a shotgun in his mm-hmm. in like a Dago tee and some boxer shorts. Just like sitting out there chewing on a cigar, waiting for his daughters to come home from wherever. Mm-hmm. Like that's my that's my D'Antonio. But yeah, to see, like you know, the usually stately Tom Izzo in his in his weekend fair was pretty weird. <laughs> I don't know if I liked it. Yeah, it was it was strange. But yeah, that was that was my most exciting experience this summer. I think other than. Met some of the basketball players orientation. They're all mm, nice. Met Lou Rawls and uh some of those guys. So I wanna get them in here too. See if we can't uh get some of the freshmen in here, pick their brains, ask them what it's like being big time D one athletes now. Get to come on radio shows like this. Absolutely, or at least podcasts that record at the the wee hours of the morning. Right. But they don't need to know that. Yeah. Uh, I mean we I th- we have at least Let's see, my mom, dad sometimes, I'm sure your parents listen. We have at least four listeners regularly. My I parents think. listen once in a while, yeah, not every mine time. are kind of spotty, too. Yeah. They've kind of fallen off. It's not nice. But whatever, that's okay. Um, my name is Andrew Hayes. Follow me on Twitter, at hayes 22 That handle that I've been talking about changing for, oh, six months now, but still have not done. Blake Froling, you are still B. Froling? Yep, you got it. Excellent. Follow him as well. Um, ask us questions. Pick our brains. Um, I just want to say I've never had anybody ask me a question on Twitter because of this. I find it, I don't know. I want to interact. I think we should put it at the beginning of the show because nobody's going to listen until the end of the show. Why not? We have riveting conversations. Well, people just don't have the attention span for our riveting conversation. I guess we should start putting the Twitters at the beginning maybe. start. we got to start posting them with, with the podcast. Mm-hmm. That's what we'll do. And then we'll just have all of the Twitter followers that you can imagine. Um, yep, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, gonna start getting more uh, more regular with this. Um, try to uh, get some more people in here so that it's not just me and Blake yammering at you. Um, and uh, thanks for listening. We will see you next week. And go green. <laughs>